Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. Miracles. <clears throat> Miracles. <laughs> Miracles. Are we sure about this? This is a tricky one. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now, and, and miracles are such a thing. We, we're not, we can't really nail them down. We can't really define it. It's hard to know if we're really seeing one or it's just a figment of our imagination. In fact, most of us fall into one of three categories. We got the skeptics that, well, maybe there was something to that back in Bible days, but today, who can know? Then there's the fanatics. They see miracles everywhere in every box of cereal. They there's a miracle somewhere, and then there's probably many of the rest of us, kind of the undecided crowd. For sure, what happened in Bible days was all God. It was a miracle from the hand of God himself. But today, uh, does God still move in that same way among us? 2023, does God still do miracles in our time? And, and if he did, what would that even look like? Uh, when would they come, and how would we even know if it was a miracle? So what we've been doing is walking through different miracles of the Bible, different kinds of miracles, understanding how God worked in Bible times, trying to understand what that might look like in our time today. So last week, Pastor Matt, where's, oh, Pastor Matt's in class. So Pastor Matt did a fantastic job walking us through miracles of God's provision when God provides miraculously for the needs that we have. This week, we're kind of continuing along that theme. Yes, it's God's provision, but provision specifically for a way, when God makes a way where there is no other way. You remember that old praise song, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. And that's what we sang for years back in the 80s and 90s, and, and we still believe that today. But what does that look like when God makes a way? Well, here's the deal. We've talked about it many times, and I know that you understand this from the Bible itself. When God calls a guy, when God calls a gal, when God calls a family, when God calls a church family or even a people, he always demands that they go with him, that they leave where they were, who they were, how they were, and go with him to this new place, this new ministry, this new lifestyle. There is no way to stay where you were, who you were, how you were, and at the same time, go with God. Anytime God calls, it's a big ask. He's asking you to do something way bigger than yourself. He knows full and well that there's no way you can fulfill the, the mission, the, the, the calling, the vision that he's given you in your strength. You're going to need God's strength. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a calling of God. That's normal. We understand that. But sometimes there's a different kind of calling, not just a big ask, but an impossible ask. Sometimes in the Bible and even today in our lives, God asks us to walk through a door that is quite simply not there, to go to a place that, is not, that does not yet exist, to, to open something that has been uh, closed for, for eons, and God says, I want you to do something that is impossible. That's when you need a miracle. You need one of those miracles today? <laughs> 
you've been asking God to open something, and unless God himself shows up and with his miraculous miracle power intervenes, you remember, that's what we said miracles mean, is when the hand of God literally reaches into time and history and suspends the laws of nature and science and medicine to bring himself glory by demonstrating his power. That's what a miracle is, unless God chooses to do that in your situation, that door is not going to open. That relationship will end in divorce. That addiction will not be broken. That debt will not be paid. Do you need a miracle like that today? We're going to take a look at a story in the Old Testament where God did exactly that. He asked his people to do something that was impossible, not just difficult, not only possible if they would just mature in their faith and trust him just a little bit more. It didn't matter how much faith they had. It was impossible unless God himself reached into their history and changed everything. Are you ready for the story? Open up to the book of Joshua. You probably know this story, maybe even by heart. Joshua and the city of Jericho. Joshua, we're going to start out in chapter 5. And read the story of Joshua leading the people of Israel through the great city that had been closed up tight by all logical, worldly, human recognition. There was no way they could march through. And God said, that's exactly what I'm calling you to do. Joshua chapter 5, the words will show up on the screen behind me. If you have your cell phone, you can even take a, a, a look at that QR code. The sermon notes will pop up, the Bible text as well. Or you could just uh, open your old school Bible. I saw some of y'all bringing your old school Bible. Way to go. <laughs> Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Before we jump in, let me just give you a little backstory. We always need to understand the backstory to see where we're coming from. People of Israel were held captive in Egypt uh, 400 years. They were released. God brought them across the Red Sea. You remember that incredible miracle? Then right on the other side, it should have been a straight shot right to the promised land. You remember God kept telling his people, I'm going to lead you out of slavery into the promised land. Well, what's not to love about that plan? I love it, God. Let's go now. So they were on their way there, but unfortunately, because of their disobedience, they were not allowed to go straight to the promised land. God had them do circles around the desert for 40 years because of their disobedience before they were allowed to enter the promised land. During that time, the, the, the leaders and specifically the men of that generation had to die off so that when God finally did bring them into the promised land, it was a fresh batch of folks with a heart for God and a willingness to follow him and not with this inheriting this, this disobedience the last generation had. That had just happened their leader for all of that time, Moses, who brought them out of Egypt, led them through the desert. He was not allowed to enter the promised land, so he also died. And his second-in-command, Joshua, takes over. They leave the desert, cross over the Jordan River, uh, very much like the Red Sea scene. It parts, and they walk across on dry land. Now they're right on the very edge of the promised land. They're about to enter it, all of this milk and honey and, 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 and fantastic things, and we get to take roller coasters to school every day. I mean, it was everything God had promised, except there was a huge, scary city right in front of them. There was no way they were going to get to what God had promised them without going through that city. So they're right before that city called Jericho when all this takes place. Look at chapter, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 13. Let me read just a little piece of this. This is pretty much the day before they're to enter this city. This is what happens. Chapter 5, verse 13 says this. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up 
and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua goes up to the guy and says, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And so Joshua did so. So what's going on here? As, as we, much like the people of Israel, as we are hoping for, praying for, wishing for, needing a miracle because God has asked us to do something that we could never do, if God himself does not intervene into time and history and open that door, change that heart, uh, pay that debt, there is no human way we can proceed unless God moves, we can't do it. To understand how that happened in those days, not prescriptively, like follow these four rules, these four steps, and you'll get your miracle at the end, but rather descriptively, we're understanding what happened in their story to see if it might have some relation to our story today. We need to understand what happened first. First of all, God says, before a miracle comes, we, the people of God, have to have the right posture. Okay, let's look at this story one more time. So, so this is, uh, get in the picture again, this is just right before the big battle, Joshua's nervous. He, he can't sleep. He's wandering around at night. Remember the deal. Moses had led the people for for 40 plus years. Joshua, sure, he was brave. He had been one of the spies that spied out the the promised land. He'd come back. Ten of the guys said, no way, we can't do this. There's giants in the land. They're going to squash us like bugs. But Joshua and a guy named Caleb said, no, no, we can do it. Sure, they're giants, but with God, all things are possible. So he's clearly a brave guy, a strong guy, a powerful man, a great leader. Yes, but he's never led before. Moses had just died. This is his first shot as leader, and now all this pressure is on him. If this goes south, none of them will make it into the promised land, and he will go down in infamy. And on top of all this, the army that is behind him, they're completely inexperienced. They've never done battle before to speak of. They, 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 they've never seen with their own eyes, a fortified city. They've been wandering around the desert for 40 years. Weapons, I have no idea what weapons they would even have. If they were to bring them out of Egypt, they'd be 40 years old, rusty and almost worthless. So all of this is running through Joshua's mind, and he can't sleep. He's wandering around at night, and the Bible says, when now Joshua was near Jericho, the the original language there means he, he comes right up and bumps up to Jericho. So he must have been so nervous he must have been so out of sorts that he, he wanders right up. He puts his hand on these famous walls of Jericho. He's heard of them, and he's, he's actually touching them. He is right there in the darkness of the night, hoping, praying, scheming, whatever he can do in his mind, when suddenly this, this angelic image appears to him in the middle of the night, and not only just an image. I mean, this guy, this guy is the biggest black ops kind of guy you've ever seen. And not only that, he's otherworldly, bright and shining. Now, you and I, if we were to see something like that in the dark, in the night, we're already over-anxious and over-anxiety-ridden. What are we doing? Right, we're taking off running. Not Joshua. He turns around, walks right up to the guy, sticks his little finger in his chest and says, You, are you for us or are you for our enemies? This is a brave guy. This is the kind of leader Israel needs. But I don't know if he's asking the right question. He asked that question. 
Here's the problem. So many of us want to know if someone's for us or against us. What happens here in this interaction between Joshua and this, this angelic being, this, this godlike being, is indicative of what our posture should look like before God and before a miracle. God is calling us to, to surrender. This, this image, who is this? Uh, the Bible doesn't say exactly who it is. A few little hints lead us to believe it is not an angel, as we might assume at first. Angels, often you remember when they appeared, there'd be this command, do not be afraid. Well, clearly Joshua's not afraid of anything, but even so, that normally comes, that doesn't come here. Also, there is a time of reverence, even worship, taking off the sandals because it's holy ground. That is not ascribed to angels. In fact, if anyone had tried to worship an angel, the Bible would have said, don't worship me. Only God alone deserves your worship. So we as theological scholars believe this is probably one of those appearances of God's son, Jesus, even before the birth of Bethlehem. So this is God himself appearing to him. And when, when God appears to us before a miracle, before a great need, before God does an incredible work in our life, in our family, in our churches, he interacts with us in a very deep and personal way, but he demands our surrender. Are you on our side? Or on their side? Are you for us or are you against us? That's a problem with us humans. So often we see everything in us and them, not just this country, but all across the world. Everything is either us and them. And if you are not us, then clearly you're against us. If you are with them, then clearly I am against you, whether we're talking about politics or race relations or, or national borders, socioeconomic groups, religion, even football teams. You're either for us or you're against us. And so when he says that to this guy, his answer is unusual. Are you for us or are you against us? His answer is, well, in English it says neither, but technically in the original language, the answer is no. That didn't answer his question. He said, are you this or are you that? It's not a yes or no question. God's saying, don't ask that question. That's the wrong question. The answer is no. He is not for us. He is not against us. God is. And God's calling us to draw near to him. This is not to be negotiated so often in our lives, especially we find Christian folks, we kind of learn how this works with God and his moving and his miracles. We, we come to him with a, a plan in place, a deal that we want to offer him. We want to know, God, if we need this miracle, how much is this going to cost me? How much time, how much service, how much of my resources, how many good deeds am I going to need to invest to get the kind of response from you that I'm asking for, the miracle that I need in my family or in my church or in my, in my business. God is calling rather for worship. There was reverence. There was a taking off of sandals. There was a holding up of God, ascribing worthiness or weight to God. This is what God was calling him to. That is what God is calling us to. Are we ascribing worth to God? Are we worshiping God in what we do? No, I get it. Not everyone is a, is a, is a praise and worship kind of guy or gal. Not everyone, you know, is a kind of singy, touchy, feely, worshipy kind of guy. I get it. One song's enough. I, I, I know what you're saying. You may be that way, but here's the deal. 
Worship goes way beyond what happens here for these few minutes with our worship band. Worship is, is what we do all day long, all week long, the worth that we ascribe to God. Is he or is he not the most important thing in your life? Would your bank statement demonstrate that? Would your daily calendar demonstrate that God is the most important thing in your life? Would your, would your colleagues at work demonstrate that and, 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 and agree to that, that God is the, clearly the most important? Would your own kids in your house say that for my dad, for my mom, God is clearly the most important thing in their life? They worship God. Jesus draws us to himself. By the, the, the help that we need to understand how important this is, is right there in the story. The Bible says this man, this, this God figure, this Jesus figure, he is standing there not only in front of him, but with his sword drawn. Let me tell you something about Jesus. There's never been a time that Jesus drew his sword for battle that he did not win. Jesus never, ever, ever lost a battle. So when you see Jesus with his sword drawn, I promise you the end result is victory for Jesus. Does that help you at all? Does that help us at all in understanding how important it is to, to take a posture of surrender? The God of the universe is standing before us and before our enemy, before this impossible miracle need that we have with his sword already drawn. The victory is already his. He will win. Does this make a difference in how you live? Does it make a difference in how you pray? Does it make a difference in how you invest in the kingdom knowing that we serve the commander of the army of the Lord. Secondly, uh, not only do we have to have that miracle posture, God is calling us to, to understand what the miracle challenge looks like. Look at, uh, now we're in chapter 6, the first little bit of the actual story itself. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Let me read it for us. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred, locked up tight. These folks had already heard of, of Israel, what God had done for them, bring them through, uh, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, over the Jordan. They'd already heard this. So it was already a fortress, but they've locked those fortress doors up tight. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. No one came in. It's impossible. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have already, I have already Deliver Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. This is their challenge. Your challenge may be just like it. Your challenge may be even bigger. Your challenge may not be quite this big, but to you, it is impossible. For them, this was impossible. No human way could go through it. It was securely barred shut. The, the city not only had one wall. We talk about the wall of Jericho. It was technically two walls, an outer wall, and then an inside wall. So two walls, feet thick, numerous feet thick. Not only that, the city was built on a slope. So you would have had to get quite a running start to go up a hill before you could even touch the wall. The wall in, in Deuteronomy was described, chapter 9, the walls rose to the sky. They were incredibly high walls, and they were in built on this city, built right by the River Jordan, so that it would be an imposing impediment to any enemies that would ever come. It was set up in that way, in that style, to scare off anyone who would ever come across the idea that they could defeat the enemy. Not even God could get into this city. Inside was even worse. 
Historians tell us the uh, religious beliefs of this folk uh, involved all kind of impurity and sin and debauchery and, and sexual immorality on the inside. Even worse, part of their religion was the sacrifice of living children to their gods. Inside it stunk. There was a stench that rose up from the sin and the debauchery and the evil. It was, it was literally cooking and festering with evil on the inside. It was impenetrable from the outside. It was rotten and stinking and evil on the inside. And this huge block stood between the people of God and their promised land. The road to the promised land ran right through Jericho. The road to their miracle ran right through Jericho. Any fortification of sin, any fortification of disobedience like that, it must fall before we enter the promised land before we see God do his miracle in our lives. First, we must be willing to destroy our Jericho, that stronghold of sin and disobedience. Folks, what does your Jericho look like? That fortress, that stronghold that has been built in your own heart, in your own spirit, it is impenetrable by, by weak and, and occasional prayers. It is impenetrable by that once-a-week visit to a church service. It is impenetrable by, by once-a-month kind of sermons. It is impenetrable by anything unless you let God break in and inside is filled with sin and debauchery and disobedience to God. God wants to break through that Jericho in your life. He wants to do the miracle, but until that Jericho is destroyed... The miracle cannot, will not come. That Jericho in your life must fall. God will do what he does, that miracle. He will give you the power to destroy, but we must be willing to let him use us to do that. So not only is there a miracle challenge, but there's also a miracle plan. Let's keep reading in the story, verse 3. Verse 3 of chapter 6 says this. So march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. March. No, no, that's it. March, okay? Have seven priests. Wait, priests? They can't fight. I mean, I know all kind of pastors. They're a bunch of, <laughs> they sit in their office all day, except for when they're golfing. And then uh, that's it. Okay, once priests. Well, surely, okay, let's see what the priests are going to do. Have seven priests carry swords? No, have uh, Hammers, no. Shotguns, no. Trumpets. You're right, Jimmy, trumpets. That doesn't sound like fighting. Of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven more times with the priests blowing the trumpets. What? When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout? Come on. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. This is the craziest plan I've ever heard of. Surely this is a joke. Surely somehow something got lost in translation from God's lips to Joshua's ears. Joshua, go back. Ask God one more time. Maybe you missed something. The part where the, where the Black Hawk helicopters come out or the, or, the, or the tanks roll out ahead of us. Surely this is not all God has. There has to be a better plan. March, blow trumpets, and shout. That will forever be known as the Joshua plan. Had they gone out with this and, and failed like everyone would have expected them to fail, this would have gone down in infamy as one of the great military defeats of all time. How did they know 
this was going to work. Is Joshua's plan, this marching, this trumpeting, this shouting, any different than our plans today? Pancreatic cancer, impossible. There's no way that can be healed. Reconciliation in a marriage after infidelity. There's no way. It is impossible. That can never be healed. Revival breaking out in the city of Cape Coral, Florida. Forget about it. Never. Do you know my neighbor? This is not going to happen. But the Bible says, marching plus trumpets plus shouting, that equals impossible. But marching, plus trumpets, plus shouting, plus God, and the walls come tumbling down. God is calling us to stick to the plan that he gave us, but not just sticking to that plan, but sticking to the plan with perseverance. Let me, let me read a little bit more of the story because it gets tricky at this point. Look at verse 12. Perseverance involved in the miracle story. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took up the ark of the Lord. Oh, and they want to bring the ark too. Do you know how much that thing weighs? And there's all kind of rules around the ark. If you let it fall, everyone dies. If you touch it, everyone dies. Lord, surely we can leave it behind. We'll come get it when we're... No, no. The ark's going too. Took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So, on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they encircled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when, he, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So there is a huge challenge. There is a very specific plan, but the perseverance in that plan is key. It was key for them thousands of years ago. It is key for us today as well. Why seven days? Why not six days? Why, why seven times? Why not three times or, or four times? God wants our full engagement. He wants us to be all in, our full buy-in. God does the miracle. God does what only God can do, but he wants to include us in that miracle. He waits for us to march and to trumpet and to shout. The significance of seven, I don't think, is lost on any of us. We remember all through the Old, even the New Testament, that number has great significance. It means the, the number of completion, the number of maturity. When something is, is perfect, it is a seven. So what is God saying here? I need you to stick to the plan with perseverance until the point of maturity, until the point of completion, until the point of maturity and, and, and perfection. That is what God is calling us to do. It is a process. I want you to do today what you did tomorrow. And when you wake up, I want you to do today what you did tomorrow. Tomorrow, when you wake up, I want you to do today what you did tomorrow. This is not tedious. This is obedience. Sure, there were doubters, Sure, there were skeptics, there were complainers, there were haters. Are we the same way, though? 
God's given us a plan. He's, he's led us to something. He's given us a humongous challenge that we could never do in our own strength. And we're praying, hoping, wishing, counting on a miracle of God to go through that door, break out of where we are now. God is calling us to stick to the plan with perseverance, but we start taking shortcuts. We start cutting corners. We're no longer marching. We're kind of meandering. We're no longer fighting. We're just kind of walking through the motions, through the church, through the Bible, through our giving. Here's the deal, folks. Partial obedience is disobedience. Let me say that one more time because I really want this to sink in. Partial obedience is disobedience. God is calling us to give our all. Giving God your Sunday while keeping your Tuesday through Saturday is disobedience. Giving God your time while holding back your resources and your money, that's disobedience. Giving God your public life while holding back your private life, that is disobedience. I remember that very clearly in my own life. I was, I was in college. I'd already felt God calling me into full-time ministry, specifically missions. I went off to University of Florida. I didn't know anybody that wanted to do that. Surprise, surprise, 30,000, well, back then, 30,000 students. I didn't know a single guy or gal that wanted to go into ministry, much less be a missionary. So I went with my plan. I'm going to be a lawyer, God. I studying political science, on my way to law school, and I start making deals with God. God, do you know how many missionaries I can send on a lawyer's salary? A lot of guys, a lot of gals, they'll, they'll run from God. Remember the whole Jonah story. They'll run from God when they're kind of being disobedient. I did the opposite. I'm making a deal with them. I'm showing him how much value I bring to the table if he lets me stay where I want to stay. And I'm serving here, and I'm giving there, and I'm doing this. He ain't buying it. Turns out you can't make a deal with God. God wants all or he wants nothing. Partial obedience is disobedience. I don't know why it took seven days. I don't know why they had to march around on the last day seven times. But God is not into quick fixes. If you've come here looking for a miracle because you think it's a quick fix, you've done your own thing for so long and you've gotten yourself into a bind, and the only thing you can do to get out of this bind is call on God to give you a quick miracle to put you back in place, that is not how miracles work work. God involves us very much in the process, and there's perseverance involved. This is God's way. It is impossible, and then it is difficult, and then it is done. There's no shortcutting that process. And then finally, the miracle breakthrough comes. Look all the way to verse 20. This is the part we've all been waiting for. This is why we show up. This is why we love miracle stories, because at the end, the miracle comes, and we all say, wow, isn't that awesome? Let's, let's look at it. Verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Yes, Lord, that's what we've been waiting for, the miracle. God, just like you did it there, come do that in my family. God, just like you did it there, come do that in my job. Lord, just like you did it there, come do that in my, in my cancer-ridden body. God, that same miracle power that you demonstrated thousands of years ago, do again right now for me. God did it. The miracle. 
right? Let me read it one more time. Pay attention. Verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, when the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, that's when the wall collapsed. Now, wait a minute. This whole time we've been talking about God miracles. God reaches his hand into time and space. He suspends the laws of nature and health and, 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 and medicine. And, and he does what no other human could do. Doesn't say one word about God doing a miracle. It talks about men shouting, trumpets blow, blowing. And after those things, the miracle happened. I thought God did the miracle. It sounds like they did. Did, did marching and stomping somehow loosen the, the cement in between those rocks? It came, no, of course not. This was a miracle that only God could do, but God does something in their obedience that we often miss and misunderstand. Only, only when we are faithful and obedient to do what God has called us to do. They did their part, but their part did not result in the miracle. Sometimes we believe that if we do this and we do this and we do this faithfully and maybe we throw in a few extra good deeds, then at the end we're due, owed by God a miracle. That's not at all what God does, but instead the real miracle is this. God made their actions bring the change that they've been praying for. Here's the deal, folks. A kind word in and of itself cannot turn away wrath. Uh, an apology in and of itself cannot heal a broken marriage. Uh, a, a heartfelt prayer in and of itself cannot heal cancer unless God is involved. But how is that possible? Easy. This is not the last we hear of this story. Jump all the way to the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. The writer Paul says this in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. This is when the walls fell. This is how God moves. Faith is the key, not just our actions, not just God. God demands both and. Our obedience plus faith equals miracles. Marching plus faith equals miracles. Trumpeting plus faith equals miracles. Shouting plus faith equals a miracle of God. God is asking you to walk through a huge, imposing, impossible door in your life, in your family, in your church's family. Walking plus faith equals a miracle of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for how you speak powerfully through your word. We pray that we would understand, Lord, that in this, it is not about our doing. <laughs> Obviously, Lord, it's about your doing. But you choose, Father, to work through our faith. So God, as we, each one of us, stand before a great, imposing, and powerful closed door in our lives, health or finances, relational, even in our church family, God. These impossible Jerichos in our life, God, they will fall when you combine our marching, our trumpeting, our shouting, and our walking with faith. God, your hand moves. So I pray, God, 
that you would allow us to see that in our own lives, that you would encourage us and grow our faith to the point where we are willing and able to do just that. We so long to see your hand move powerfully among us in this time and in this day and in our city. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.